All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Frontboard and Four Baggers. Today is episode 11. We have a very special guest today. We have uh, Jamie Graham, Fire Zone Jamie Graham. Uh, today, he's going to help us do kind of a part of our normal uh, bag review. We're going to kind of go over a little bit of Fire's new lineup that has been making waves. And, and personally, I, I love all their new bags. And then we're going to just go over a little bit of his backstory and some of his success as well as the future coming up in ACL here. So, um, <laughs> Jamie, welcome. Thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thanks. Thank you all for having me. Um, so we'll start out with the uh, the Fire Vengeance. So a little background on the Vengeance. Uh, it's right like a four, five, eight speeds. Slow material is very similar to a Surefire, maybe a, t- a tad stickier. Fast sides like a Surefire Game Changer, that kind of material. And a great price point, 50, 60 bucks, that small disc fill that everybody's been using. I know I watched a couple of your live streams. You were throwing them. You said you really like it as a good sticky bag or on super fast boards. Like, What's your opinion when you first got your hands on that one? Um. So like through the last two years, I've been used to slicker bags. Um, so that fire got the vengeance, the torch, um, the vengeance and the torch. I threw a lot of uh, bags on live with the torch and the vengeance. I threw uh, a little <laughs> bit, but um, my opinion on the vengeance is it's like a uh, it's not too slick but it's not too sticky. Like it's maybe a couple down speeds from the uh, incinerator. Yeah. So like uh, the last open, I tried to get powers to throw the vengeance, but he said it was too sticky because the incinerators were fast at the time. But uh, I mean, I like the vengeance to be a sticky bag, but yeah. And do you, do you find you're able to work those pretty well, like cut? And I saw you throw a couple of roll shots or you've been practicing a little more on the big cuts and stuff. Do you find that's able to help with that? Oh, yeah. The boards play in your favor with any stickier bag. I think you can do anything with it. Um, we'll go into the heat quick here, Sue. So I got the heat. When I got this bag in the mail, um, I was like kind of blown away by this bag because it did not remind me of a fire bag at all. Like it, you could tell it was something that they're trying new. Um, again, using that disc fill, it's the same material as a Viper without the dots. So like that seven, nine speed range, similar speed ranges to the incinerator. But I'd say the big difference here is the smaller template, the small rounded corners that I think a lot of players, I know you said you're very used to the bigger bag. You like the bigger bag. But I think a lot of players like that smaller template. So I like that they kind of have multiple template options from the big one to the small one. Um, I personally love this bag. I think this bag is going to be one of their most popular bags, if not their most popular bag. It broke in great. It feels great to throw. I know you were telling me that it was money if you like the smaller bags. Oh, yeah. Um, So do you think, I mean, like... Is this bag to you very similar to the incinerator and you're only making that incinerator choice just based on the size? Like are the same conditions, playability, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think they uh they play very similar and speeds on both sides. Um yeah, the only difference is what you said is the template. I like bigger bags in my hand, so incinerator is the way I go, but the heat's just as good, I think. And then, oh, and again, still 60 bucks plus, plus shipping, which is just crazy. I, and I, I'm wearing their hat too. I mean, first of all, comment on the hat. The fit hats from Fire are the most comfortable cornhole hat I've worn by far. Like, it's just like amazing. Uh, I got to get more of them. But um, we'll go into the incinerator here. So the incinerator, at least from the pro level standpoint, for all the people, all the main Fire players, this bag's been taking over. I mean, Matt Guy's been destroying with this bag. You've been throwing super good with this bag. Eric Davis had that crazy four-bag push with this bag. Like, I mean, everyone, regardless of their throwing style from fire seems to be going to this bag whether it's just that bigger template you need like five of the i've found you need like five of the beads to catch the hole and the whole dang thing goes in i mean it's just it's so insanely hole friendly uh speeds we're looking at like a seven eight seven nine very similar to the heat and and the biggest difference is that bigger template and the fill is a little bit um a little more of a bead more of a game changery fill uh and uh and a bigger template and it's 10 bucks cheaper but so i know you were telling me like it, this year you're really feeling this year because you got a bag that you're comfortable throwing and i know you threw game changers for a long time and this is kind of back in that realm of size and speed um do you feel just right at home throwing this bag or it's a well it's more similar to the all side like okay. I, I threw game changers but my go-to bag 
when I was playing for all cornhole was the my old pink all slide. So we try to get something very similar to the all slide. And the only difference is with the incinerator is it's square corners. The all slides I had were round corners, but big template in my hand. But uh, I still think the incinerator, it might be a little bit better than the all slide. I don't know. Like, I think square corners grab bags get better on the sides to try to push better. But uh, I think the incinerator is going to be a top-notch bag for fire. Oh, I think so too. And it's, it's 50 bucks plus shipping. I mean, you're paying under 60 bucks for a bag that like the top players in the world are using and are like talking about all the time. And, and, uh, and I would say too, I, I just did reviewed the all side the other day. I actually think the all side's a little bit puffier and I kind of like the slightly thinnerness of the incinerator. I actually found the incinerators to again, like grab the edges of the hole better and, and possibly collect better too. And I don't know if it's the thinner template, but I found these so easy to airmail. Like you don't need that much of the bag in the hole, even like it's just such a forgiving airmail bag. Um, yep. So um, again, guys, all of these bags, crazy great price point, um, new fills, new template, and like fire, and they have more bags coming. I know I was talking to Jason; they even got more coming out too. So they're really trying to make a splash, not only with obviously with players like you guys, but like really listening to the audience and listening to the players and making bags that really kind of fit that. Uh, these play styles that people like to see you know you wanted co- some kind of all slide comfortability and the incinerator bred out of that and now that bag's just blowing up on the pro scale so um and uh we don't have this written down but also i did watch the open you and jordan played good. you had a great weekend overall um i you were on t you were on the streams a bunch you made it through a long break it had to be a grueling weekend I mean, you played a lot of games oh yeah especially singles because uh i lost my first game in singles and i had to play I'm pretty sure I played 10 matches in a row after that. And then finally got knocked out by uh, Noah Monza. But it was a, a long, long weekend. Yeah. And those weekends, for anyone who doesn't play, you know, ACL tournaments, I mean, like you see the dudes on the stream and you see the dudes on TV. Those are long brackets, especially if you were saying, even if you're in the winner's bracket, it's a long bracket. But losers, you just don't get any breaks. Like you're next right. court, next court, next court up. So it's just it's just a lot of bags and the players are so good. I mean, you're getting two points around three points around maybe. So, I mean, you, 21 points in those games is just a grueling amount of rounds. Long so, games. Yeah. Um, let's get into a little bit of your achievements. So obviously you you were in the ACO before the ACL and kind of pretty dominant for a couple of years in the ACO. You won the 2017 ACO World Champ, 2018 ACO World Champ. You won 2020 ACL Singles World Champ. You were main of the year in 2020. You basically won almost everything in 2020. <laughs> I mean, let's be fair. Uh, <laughs> you won a 2020 ACL Player of the Year. And then, and then last year, you know, you paired up with Matt Guy. And I know people were saying that you guys would be this powerhouse doubles team, you know, and, and I think you guys are. I don't know why people think that you wouldn't be, but you won bag brawl doubles. Uh, you won the shootout three doubles and then you won shootout two individuals. So I know you were one of a small group that made both singles and doubles in the ACL pro shootout. Uh, crazy, crazy resume. And, and that doesn't even touch the surface of a lot of the events, just kind of some of the highlights. And so what do you think is your most proud achievement or most most you know proud victory that you've had through your entire career? Uh, I mean, it would have to be the, uh, ACL world championship because that was my first year coming as an ACL pro. And I knew the talent nowadays is, is crazy good. Like everybody you play, if you're not on one match, you're going to be in a loser bracket. And, um, I knew that whole season starting the first national that was in Florida where I beat Windsor, I actually lost in that that national to Damon Dennis and uh, I ended up coming back through and like didn't have a close game the rest of the day until I played winter for the championship. I remember uh, I had a double dip Damon Dennis, which you'd be surprised how long that took because Damon's one of the slowest players I've ever played against. But <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know if that was the reason he beat me the first time I got aggravated of how slow he was taking and, I was in a rhythm and ready to throw, but I tried to not think about it uh, when I had a double dip and I threw pretty good uh, both games I played them. But uh, after that national um, COVID hit where we only had, uh, we got Ohio got canceled. I don't know where the third one was, but it got canceled. And then I played against Noah 
with that epic match, uh, epic comeback, but he ended up beating me. And uh, where was that last national at? I can't remember, but throughout the whole season, though, I felt confident about my throw. And um, believe it or not, though, I changed my throw up throughout that whole year, like four times. I went from oh, we'll get to that standing. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I have no idea how to do that. But um, when I won the world championship that week, I knew uh, being number one, everybody wanted my number and they wanted to beat me, but staying focused through the whole weekend and throughout the actually throughout the whole week of the man of the year, um, the singles and the doubles really with Frank. I mean, we got third, uh, came up a little short, but definitely the uh, ACL world championship was my, one of my biggest accomplishments. Nice. And I actually had a quick question. You were talking about Damon. Is it true that he throws a bag like 17 feet in the air? Like I heard he th- I heard I would, people say he's the highest throwing player in ACL. Like that's how he can throw oh yeah, game would, changer blocks. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, it, it would be between him and that year, twenty twenty, Matthew Morton. They both threw high slick side game changer, and Matthew Morton was like the best in twenty twenty at blocking slick side game changer. But uh, yeah, Damon Dennis definitely throws a high though. <laughs> um, and I, I guess to kind of go off the, I mean, you're most proud of the ACL. Was there any specific win that you had that was the hardest? I know you were kind of talking about maybe staying focused for this ACL World Championship, but was there any event that was just like a pure grind all the way through or like maybe the most difficult one? Um, I would say that you're talking about 2020 year? Any event you've ever won. Um, I know the uh, that national I beat Ron Windsor uh 2020 it was um he was beating me the whole game and it's like every time i got two i give up four and then finally he got to a certain amount of points and then i started showing up i guess at the boards and started making more shots but um i know that one was tough uh and then the national when i played no in the finals that even though i lost it was definitely an epic battle i'm pretty sure i was down um 17 to four or five and uh his roll shot was spectacular that game like every time i block he'd roll it but started hitting air mills but uh i don't know i mean i've played a lot of games it's hard to remember <laughs> uh all the big ones but yeah yeah bl- blessing of uh blessing of mass amounts um but yeah corbin you want to go into the next section a little bit i'd love to yep so we're going to get into a little bit of your kind of backstory your history here um so how exactly did you get into cornhole you know were you one of those backyard guys that saw it finally or did you just go to a tournament and start playing so uh when i was um 15 my dad's side of the family had a family reunion that we go to every year and uh we went me and my brother went down there and i always played baseball and like other sports but never heard of cornhole ever and they had boards out there in the yard playing and me and my brother tried it and of course we flipped it didn't have no natural spin or nothing and uh i remember when we left um i'm competitive my brother's competitive and uh we were like let's look up cornhole so we looked up cornhole and saw actually how big it is like how many people play and there was a league aco at the time and we got my brother got me a uh, we got us a set of boards and bags and at the time if y'all remember back then it was the China 450s China ACO 450s they quit making them I don't know why but they were the puffy uh, ACO bags but uh, they were actually one of the best bags I liked in the ACO when I played but uh, Kaylee please get Rocky sorry <laughs> um. But uh, I lost my train of thought because my dog. You like uh, the big puffy bags from ACL. Big old but, puffy bags. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so after me, after me and my brother started throwing, um, do y'all know a guy, they call him Big Truth, Jason Tyson. He hangs out in the contraband with Noah and all them. Oh, big, th- tall dude, yeah, long hair. I think I've seen some pictures, yeah. I've seen them, yeah. Um, so he's he used to be from – I moved now, but where I used to live, he was in my area. And I didn't know him at the time, but my uncle told me they played cornhole like at a train station. They had like little shelter across from the train station. 
and I went to the store near it, and Jason Tyson was there. And I saw him at a tournament, a local tournament, but I, he didn't know me, and I didn't know him. But I was like, do y'all play Cornell somewhere? And he was like, yeah. And uh, I started going there every Wednesday and Friday with my brother, playing against local people and kind of learning the game with the spin. And I watched a lot of YouTube videos of every player in the book that played Batman. And I even actually private messaged him a bunch, like, and asked, like, how do you grip the bag, trying to learn different stuff. The kind of messages I get now that people are trying to learn from me. (laughs) But uh, So once that happened, we went to, like, a tournament and uh, that was, like, out of state or something, our first big tournament, and, like, Derek King was there. Uh, I don't think Matt Guy was there at this one, but – a lot of top names um, were there, and uh, it was pretty cool to see what I watched on YouTube so many times. And it, Derek, I think at that time, Derek was only like 15 or 16. Like, he was my age. But, uh, yeah, that's basically the backstory of when I first started. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> that's a good story. I do like that. That's yeah. a little different than most. Yeah. You know? I like that. And so the area that you're in, either where you grew up or where you're now, like, how's the competition? Uh, so I used to be in Hamlet, North Carolina. Um, that's where, like, uh, you know, Jason Tyson, if you've seen him, uh, Bobby Hunt, his partner. Um, at the last Open, uh, do y'all know his name is BR, Bobby Hunt? He was at the last Open playing with him and Tyson beat uh, Bernerset and Smith at oh, the okay. last okay. Ohio Open. But uh, they're from that area. Now where I live, I live in Kernersville, which is – Fire Cornhall, Eric, uh, Eric Davis, um, Brandon Davis, Kaylee Hunter. Um, who's the other top? Uh, who's the other top names just around this area? There's a lot of like non pros that play in this area that are pretty good that could be possible pros, but yeah. uh, big time pros like Kaylee and Eric and Brandon. Nice. So when did you know that you wanted to go pro? Like when in your playing did you decide, hey, this is something I actually want to pursue full time? Uh, so when you say pro, you mean as an ACL pro? or a- Well, I guess you could start with ACO. I mean, okay. ACL, ACL. I mean, when did you know you wanted to play cornhole for a living, basically? Um. <laughs> Probably since high school, because I knew okay, <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to be a college guy. So it was either work in the mill, be really good at cornhole, and maybe make a living. And uh, so, fifteen to seventeen, just grinded. Yeah, well, actually, seventeen to eighteen is when I really started taking it serious. Where I practiced every day for a year, and started playing in the ACO like big majors and winning and. Uh, so really, probably 18, 17 I knew, but 18 I was good enough to be in that spot where I could make a living. Right on. Actually, time out, time out, time out, time out. No, go ahead. <laughs> you can't make a living. Sorry to say this, but you can't make a living in ACO. So our, yeah. I couldn't make a living there. But when I was my first year as pro in the ACO, and then I did what I did in the World Championship, yeah. I've been making a living ever since. So yeah. Okay. That's that's actually a really nice segue because I was going to ask also if you can explain a little bit of the differences between competition with ACO and ACL. You missed one. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. What's your opinion okay. between the difference between the what's two like pros? The big cons? Differences? Yeah. So I'm not going to talk crap about the ACO. Yeah. I mean, no. they run they run an organization, and I mean they have a good organization for what they do. But my opinion is. So you ever heard of the CCL? It's like mm-hmm. that. Uh, it's like Crew Cornhole League. They have like their own league that's based out of the, where I live. But uh, so they're a little bit smaller than ACO. So what I tell people is, CCL is like college, college baseball. ACO is like minor league baseball, and ACL is like major league baseball. Mm-hmm. There's just steps to it, and I mean Stacy's done enough to prove that. He's there and he's higher than any other organization. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That's a great comparison, actually. Well, I mean, and I know, let, let's say four years ago, probably like when you were playing ACO and Matt Guy was playing ACO, like, I mean, ACO was the thing for four something years ago, you know, and, and, and I actually just played in the ACO major was up here in Minnesota this last weekend and, and went in there and, and I could even tell like there was good players, but I mean, it wasn't an ACL open. It wasn't an ACL major. Right. But um, where do you think, I mean, do you think it's the TV coverage? Do you think it's just like effort? Like, where do you think the transition happened between the ACO and ACL kind of taking over? I think Stacy just took that, that risk of spending money to make money. I mean, that's Stacy did a big thing when he got the ESPN. Now he's got CBS and ESPN. And I don't know. I mean, I want to say like, Maybe he had the bigger balls. I don't know. Like, maybe he wanted to take that step, and he did, and they end up working. And I guess the players, like, Matt just turned over. It's his second year as a pro, but it took him a while to realize, like, hey, uh, if I want to make a living, I need to step over to the ACL and be a pro. But um, I don't take nothing for the people to stay in ACO. But, I mean, I've had conversations with some of the top ACO people, like Caleb Hurt. Uh, and just kind of wanted to know why you're not like switching over. You're too good, I think, to waste your. I wouldn't say waste your talent, but you're too good not to show your talent in the ACL. And there's so many opportunities to be made in the ACL with sponsors. Because I mean, this game is getting oh, it's humongous, dude. Oh, so yeah. I mean, I think it takes one tournament, one tournament to be on TV, and a sponsor to be like. I'll give you $50,000 to wear my logo. Like it's that big now. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I know that's the, uh, and I would say we were talking, I was talking to a lot of ACO people this weekend and, 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 and just talking about Cornell in general, we were saying that the, the ESPN and CBS thing, what it's done for the game has been bonkers because like I ha- I play golf with a golf league and bowling league, right? And like, if I bring up the word Cornell, they, their first response is, Oh, I saw that on ESPN. Like, yeah, those guys playing. Like there's so many walks of life of people that have seen the game past backyard just because of the ESPN and CBS TV time. And which, which, and to your point, the game's exploding. I mean, me and Corbin literally started doing YouTube just because we're like, this game is going to the moon. So many people are going to start getting this and look what's up with bag companies. Now there's hundreds now, you know, fire's even coming out with seven new bags this year or 60. I mean, it's just the game's just exploding on a massive scale. Um, but we can go into a little bit now, now that you are an ACL, obviously what it's like being a pro. So, like how much, I guess, I mean, how much are you traveling to play? Like, I mean, you're obviously going to most of the ACL events, but on the off time, I mean, are you still traveling to go to like other tournaments every weekend? Do you kind of take breaks? Um, I remember uh, after the 2020 year, um, I didn't take a huge break, but I kind of like not practice as much, didn't travel every weekend to go to a tournament. But I know this year, um, me and Kaylee are, we're practicing every day. Um, and it's hard to have tournaments right now cause it's cold. So, I mean, there's so many more tournaments throughout the summer months and everywhere, but now, I mean, if there's a tournament three hours or less, we'll go, but it's kind of hard. I mean, not hard, but we don't really travel like across the world. Like you see like Tony Smith and all them doing I. I mean, I'd love to, but my dog's like a kid, and I don't always have somebody to watch them, so I hate I can't leave them. So yeah. we don't really travel as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, I would say I'm still jealous though that you're in North Carolina because we're in Michigan and Minnesota, and it's <laughs> yeah. flipping freezing here. It's like 20 oh, yeah. degrees here. <laughs> so, so yeah, outdoor cornhole is over for us for the next seven months. Um, but. Uh, and I guess I guess we kind of talked about that one a little bit, but what are the things that most people don't understand that go into being a pro? Like, what's kind of like the unwritten things that people don't see? Um, it's definitely not easy. Uh, I mean, how do I put this? <laughs> being an ACL pro is, I mean, awesome because I mean, especially if you're the the top notch players because you got really good opportunities to be on ESPN and TV time that shows like helps you with sponsorships because they can see that they can see their stuff on TV. But I mean, even the, the lower section of the pros, I mean, it's still 
still pretty cool to go somewhere and be considered an ACL pro. It's not that big where you go in every airport and they're like looking at you like LeBron, but I do feel like in the next five years, it's going to be somewhat similar to the media standpoint to other people to look at us like we're actually athletes and not just playing cornhole. Because I know a lot of people still look at us like that and they're like, it's just cornhole, but it's really not just cornhole. It's it's not easy to throw an 11-point round against a mad guy and still lose. So I'd like to bet on any average person to ever think they could do that. But, yep. No, I mean, I, and I mean, it's it, me and Corbin can attest to, I mean, because we're pretty normal players. I mean, like I'd say I'm in the top part of my local area because I don't have a lot of pros, but like that's nowhere. I mean, that's like a 7.5 PPR, 8 PPR. You know I mean? Like you see, you see Matt Guy shooting 10.7 PPR average on the season. <laughs> like or you see him know, playing on tv ridiculous you see him playing on the stream he misses one bag and he's like scut- like cussing himself so out off one miss you know where he like looks at I brett know. and he's like i ain't missing another effing bag this whole game <laughs> and just makes like 30 in a row it's just like just another level of playing you know and i think like people can watch it and be like it can't be that hard but i feel like once you get in their shoes and you're in the opportunity I think your hands start to shake a little oh, bit because 100%. it's different than just watching like it. That's what I tell people. I think, I mean, to be an ACL pro, you definitely, if you want to do it for a living, then you need to treat it like a job. And Jason McCannon has been a big influence on telling me that as in putting uh TikTok all the time, like videos, doing content, treating us like a, a normal job. If I don't want to get a job and I want to do this for a living. So every day, Mostly every day, me and Kaylee's practicing and making videos, content for social media because he told me once that player realizes, especially at my level, if their media goes sky high, that's where you start making the big bucks is social media. Mm -hmm. And do you want to shout out your TikTok? Um, What's your handle on TikTok? It's ACL Pro Jamie Graham 1. Okay, on TikTok, and I yeah, I see I see you guys posting videos on the time. I really like the live streams that you do on Facebook too, because I know you go back through after the words and you're answering the questions and whatnot. And I, I think to your point of us talking about how this game's gonna blow up, if you can be in the forefront of the person that people know, like oh man, he's like talking to the community, he answers questions, he's a relatable guy. Like that's that's what people want to see. I mean, that's the reason people watch me and Corbin. We're not even remotely good compared to you, but we're just normal everyday dudes that throw bags and people are like, Oh, I can relate to that. So, I mean, and coming on to do podcasts like this, people could be like, Oh wow. He's just a dude. That's just really good at Cornhole. He started the same way I did. It makes a lot easier to connect and, and really does blow up. I mean, social media is the future, man. It, like, especially with money and marketing and ads and it's crazy. I've been pushing TikTok a lot more. Um, after Trey told us, uh, Trey told us like sponsors, like, to me, Facebook, I don't think it's going to – I don't think that's what's going to make you explode in your media. It's mainly Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. That's – and YouTube. And YouTube, yeah. So, so, like, when I was going live on Facebook, I'll still do it sometimes, but mainly um, every time I go live, it's mostly TikTok because it's, you can reach out to thousands more viewers, like, when you go face uh, live on Facebook, it's just your friends watching. Mm-hmm. So like, it's hard to get to like, I think uh, last night we went live on TikTok and I was at, I think I got a total of a hundred and like 12,000 viewers. So, I mean, just wow. like that, you can gain 300 followers and an hour session. That's so, crazy. I know YouTube, YouTube's obviously huge too. And I know even just like little things like, you know, that, that clip of when Eric Davis made the four bag push and Ryan, no wounds Facebook. I mean, that, that video blew up on YouTube, you know, like little stuff like that, or I'm sure it blew up on TikTok or look at what Whitmart, Whit, uh, Whitney or whatever, her TikTok set, she has like 112,000 followers now or something. I mean, it's, it, it's, it, I agree that it, it's awesome that you're doing that stuff because it's, that's where the mainstream media is going to see about a lot of this stuff. So um going back a little bit to the acl so what do you think other than like maybe consistency what do you think is the hardest part about being a pro is it the the travel the time the 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 focus the whole day i mean like what's the hardest part so uh 
I'd say um, to compete at the top all the time and to be there is definitely consistency because um, if you don't have consistency, there's it's kind of hard. If you're playing against Matt, he's he's one of the best players I know that can stay mentally focused the whole game, no matter what the score is, no matter how bad he's throwing. He's he's able to sometimes flip a switch and make 50 in a row. And uh, that's one big thing about this game is your focus has to be there just like your game. Like you have to have a, in my opinion, I think uh, focus, you got to have about 90% of focus and our 80% focus, 20% talent. I mean, yeah, the talent, yeah, you got to be talented to be there. But if you're in a game and it's 18, 18, 19, 19, and you throw the first one right and you have no focus whatsoever in the next three bags, you're probably going to throw it left or right again and lose the game instead of really focusing in on your next three bags and finishing up, maybe home or miss. But of my years of playing, I think what's got me at the top so many times is staying focused throughout the whole tournament. And that was a big thing in the last Open I played in. Um, Megan Maupin was beating me. 20 to 12, and this was a loser bracket game. So if I lose, instead of getting uh, first in my bracket, I'm getting like ninth or tenth in my bracket. So it's a big swing. And oh no, I, I took, I remember taking a step back, breathing, and saying, just put every bag in the hole, capitalize when she misses. And next thing you know, in like five rounds, it was 2019, and then I won on that last frame. So I think focus is a big key. Do you, I know you talked a little bit about like people that don't um, maybe haven't like played in an event, their hands start shaking, like it's hard to do it. Do you do you still get much of that anymore, or does it have to be kind of like really big stakes to really get your nerves on? Um, well, I think a big key in that is alcohol. I think. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, we I'm can both we can both like, relate to that. So I love the honesty. Yeah, I mean, I, I swear a lot of. people, top pros will tell you this. I mean, there's a lot of pros that drink. And I do honestly believe that if there was no alcohol, I think there would be a little – Matt might make it, but there's several pros that wouldn't be at the top without alcohol, I don't think. Um, well, they would have to get used to the playing sober again and feeling every emotion possible. But the the alcohol is what even, – even being buzzed, if I'm on TV um, – and I'm in a certain shot. It's like I'm not buzzed no more. For some reason, it's I could be up, I could yeah. be drunk. I could I could be literally drunk. And if I if I'm in a big situation, it's like I'm sober. And my hand, I start feeling it, everything in my body, the blood flowing. And but you gotta you gotta live for that moment because if you don't live for that moment, you're probably gonna miss the shot. And like you try to sometimes I beg for the opportunity to come in my, like come up where I can hit a game winning shot in front of everybody. But, uh, but yeah, basically that. So. Um, do you find that there's any specific player in the league that you play like really well against or really poorly against? Like, do you have any ACL demons or maybe ACL like they, you got their number kind of thing, or is that kind of the go ebb and flow? Um, I don't know. I mean, I know last year Cody Henderson had my number. Every time I played against him, it's like I gave my worst game possible that day. Uh, this year for a little while, it was uh, Tony Smith, whether it was side games or tournament game. It's like every time I played him, I just wasn't – it's like I lost all focus and I couldn't throw the bag in the hall until we played uh, a Myrtle Beach uh, cash tournament, April and Dave. They ran one, um, and I beat Tony at that tournament. And even before we played, he was telling somebody that he was probably going to win because he was in my head. And uh, <laughs> so I try to I try to drink enough mixed drinks that day to not think about Tony, and it, it paid off. Uh, it worked out. Well, I know that's Cody Henderson's style too. Like he loves to talk during the game. Like he loves to try to like rile you up like while you're playing. Like uh, and and I know like a lot. I think even like Trey on the cast will say like. You know, some people have mixed feelings about like the, the the way that games go sometimes, or how loud they could be when they hit shots and whatnot. But so, I mean, does that definitely take a toll sometimes? Like, like get frustrated when you hear this stuff all the time, or? 
Um, I that I don't even think that's the reason I was losing to Cody because I've uh I've played against Cody for a long time from ACO to ACL, and he's always been the same player. So I've never stuff like that has never bothered me. Um, I mean, little things that people get mad at, like if we're throwing and somebody's walking across behind the board. I feel like if you're worried about that person, then you're really not focusing on the hole because when I'm playing, I think, I mean, anything can happen in the background and I don't, I'm not paying that attention at all. Like I'm focusing on one thing and that's putting the bag in the hole. So people that talk, that's, if that's their game, like Cody and Adam, but honestly, stuff like that makes me throw better because I want to, that me shutting them up is me putting bags in the hole. So <laughs> I know if I put bags in all, they'll eventually shut up. So, Corbin, I take the next one. Yeah, I love that. Actually, that's I do get distracted when people are walking behind the board. So it's apparently I need to hyper focus into the <laughs> hole there. <laughs> so, I mean, you're saying that uh, when you're throwing with Damon, you know, you get a little frustrated because he's a very slow, methodical player. Um, are there any types of players that? actually bother you or like are kind of harder to play against whether they're super fast in a rhythm or if they're a blocker like what what do you like playing against what do you not like playing against um i like playing against a style like matt where he's hole for hole and he hits air mills um because the way i play my game is very similar to matt's like i i'll block but most of the time I'm not trying to block. It just happens. I throw it straight. And But uh, the worst, I, what I don't like playing against is, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't mind it, but something that uh, is different than Matt's stra- uh, game style is like Eric Davis. He always, like, dirty dirty in the hole. Just messy. And, uh, yeah. And, I mean, I've beat Eric plenty of times the way he plays, but it's not as easy as – putting bags in the hole and just hitting air mills and push shots. His is you got to hit a lot of air mills. Mm-hmm. You got to hit some block shots. Perfect. Or he's going to push three bags in. He's going <laughs> to roll. So that, that kind of game is definitely, uh, it can get frustrating, but I try to stay focused and just play my game no matter what. But yeah. Eric yep. Davis's push shots are just ridiculous. He's ridiculous. <laughs> like, his push shots are just – I think I saw a video of him the other day or like six months ago, a couple months ago. He threw a cut shot that was like literally a cut so much his opponent like paused, looked at him and was like, what the <laughs> hell is that? Like, like, like a couple of – yeah. It's just, um, yeah, and I – yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, you may go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Did you, did you see Eric's uh, TikTok that uh, – he cut it the opposite way, like left to right. He's, he's yeah, he's throwing outside arm and he cut it left to right on a guy's bag that was hanging in a lot. I think that's the video I'm talking about, where he, the guy <laughs> looked at him and was like, he, "Didn't drag he the bag." Down. Oh, yeah, like he grabbed his hip <laughs> and slung down. I was like, "Oh my god!" That, it, <laughs> stuff like that I don't understand because it's like. It's like it's not in his arsenal to do some shit like that, but he just throws it up there and it just magically happens. <laughs> just like I, magically, I yeah. Well, and it also, I mean, like to any other player, I mean, you probably just see that and you're like, all right, I'm just gonna push through, like whatever, like we'll just be good about. Yeah. Like for him to even be like, all right, I'm gonna take the chance that I could just miss the hole by throwing this ridiculous angled bag across the board just for this mm-hmm. like one out of a million shot. But man, it looks good on video. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but then he doesn't want to airmail, so I know. I, it's just Eric. That's funny. He's got one of the best airmails. I'd say top twenty airmails in the game, but he hates airmailing. Uh, he hates throwing. I've se- I know. I've seen him hit some of the sickest airmails ever, <laughs> and he just don't like doing it. Do you think uh, like before? Do you think dirty bag is like a skill? Like, do you think there's some people that are really good at dirty bagging versus other people? Because I know Brett Guy in a game was like, he dirty bagged somebody, and then he's like, I'm not even good at dirty bags, and I'm like, is that a skill some players have? They're just really good at and wanting people. I think, uh, I think people practice it a lot uh, for different situations. Uh, I don't really practice that shot, but I do 
try to do it in a situation every time it comes, like if I'm practicing with Kaylee. But um, there is a lot of times where people do get lucky, I yeah. would say, on different shots. But um, but there is top players that can do them dirty shots like 90% of the time. Hmm. So. Yeah, and I would say the roll the roll bag thing. I mean, like, because you've been around the game for a, a number of years now, the this emergence of the block and roll bag is really changed the way a lot of pros play, or a lot of younger players are coming up and playing. And and I know I played against a couple of players. It's like if your push or get around an airmail game is not on, it's just so brutal to play against the roll bag constantly. Um, so I know when we were talking about what do you not like playing against for me, it's like playing against a dude who's really good at rolling is just so mentally taxing because it's like every shot is hard. Like you, you don't have any muscle memory shots. Like you got to think about them all like, but yeah. go ahead, Corbin. Um, so last one in this section here, what is the main difference to you between like advanced players and pros? And then what are the common mistakes that those advanced players tend to make? That's kind of holding them back. Oh, I think, I mean, there's some advanced players that should be pros. Um, but, I mean, there's some that just don't want to take that step over where they're locked in on one organization and they can't play nothing else but ACL. Um, for example, like Caleb Hurt, he's not playing pro right now because his family plays ACO, he plays ACO. He doesn't want to play just ACL. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's definitely got a challenge to be a pro. Um, and there's some advanced players that uh, if you compare like a, a top advanced player to a top pro, there might not be a bunch of difference, but uh, big differences. I mean, the differences can be consistency, um, the time that I put in um, on the side and the time they don't put in. Um Cause you always got to think like if I'm putting in three hours, you got to expect somebody's out there putting in five hours. Like, I mean, I always, if I'm putting in an hour tomorrow, all in my head, I'm thinking like, I know somebody's putting in more than that. So I need to put in more than an hour, but little things like that is a difference. I think. Yep. I, I played against Austin Cameron the, or watched Austin Cameron play in ACO. And that kid is ridiculous too. I, I, he's another, he's another one. Yeah. Good. But I know his parents or a lot of people that like kind of are in the ACO organization as well. But I watched that kid rattle off 30 airmails in a row in warmups. Like mm -hmm. it was nothing. Like, like it's just, uh, it's just, it's next level. But yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of really good players in too, but I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people don't make the jump, I would assume, but um, I, I think I think it's getting into ACL early or getting your name known early is going to be big because when these when they keep blowing up like this, if sponsors know your name, you know that's gonna like when when more and more sponsors that were outside the game start coming in with bigger and bigger checkbooks, um, you know people that have been in the game for a bit or their name gets known are probably going to be the ones they go to first. So, right, it's just hard to get like media exposure in ACO. Because there's yeah. only, I mean, I know they have Facebook Live, but like Facebook Live can't do this so much. I mean, um, but I'm, I've had the conversation with Caleb Hurt about coming over. And like, I swear everybody's excuses, um, but we're a family over here. And I'm like, the ACL has family too. I don't know mm -hmm. why they say that. Like, I have a bunch of friends in the ACL. I don't, I don't know why that's the excuse every time, but I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't, I'm not calling anybody crazy or dumb or like nothing like that, but I think Caleb Austin, too much talent not to switch over and play in the ACL, too much talent. Well, and there's a lot, there's just, there's just more money in the ACL. I mean, look at, look at what it, what, what Eric Davis made last year, just in the last like two months of the year. I mean, like, you know, Eric Davis is a kid, is a kid too, you know, making more money than, a lot of people make. So, I mean, it's just, and it's going to keep getting more and more as, as time goes on. So um, you talked about this a little bit when we were talking about like your resume, but uh, your throwing style. So I was trying to write up a section of questions or like what kind of throwing style you have. And then I realized it was every throwing style. So, <laughs> so, so <laughs> I know the the one thing that's constant is you, is you got the butterfly grip. 
Um, and, yeah. But other than that, I mean, like I was looking through clips and I'm like, man, this one he's got right foot four. This was left foot four. He's stepping here. Like, <laughs> like what's going on? <laughs> so what's kind of the story behind your like approach and like why it, what made it switch so much? Um, so I know when I first started playing and getting a flat bag, I was stepping, I was stepping left foot. Um, and then I was messing around with my throw. I went to my first ACL major and I was standing right foot. And that major was my first one, first big ACL major after practicing for that whole year. Um, and I end up back then you couldn't come out of the loser bracket and win. If you lost, the best you could get is third. Hmm. That was a long time ago, though. So they end up changing it like two years later. But uh, so I was – first time I ever seen Matt Guy in person, I had to play him to go to the finals. So winners guaranteed to be in the finals, losers guaranteed third. And I was beating them 10-0, to zero, and uh, I started getting really nervous because I couldn't drink at the time. I was only, I think, 17 or 18. Um, but – uh, he ended up beating me 21-11. Uh, I only scored one more point after that because he's the best. And But uh, anyways, uh, so um, I, lo- I don't know why I keep lo- losing my train of thought. Oh, we were just talking so about what- your stance. You had right foot forward. Oh, yeah, still. yeah. Okay. Yeah. My fault. Um, so here from that time to now, I've probably changed my throw. I would – guarantee at least 30 times different <laughs> different ways going back to the same thing i know 2020 the year i won everything i had i know the first national i was doing left foot forward the the qualifier we had to play qualifiers because of covid um i was doing uh left foot but a whole different throw left foot the next qualifier i was doing a whole different throw right foot and then the national, the one that Noah beat me, I was doing left foot again, the same one I did the first one. And then I carried that over to the world championship and was doing left foot. So that year I did one, two, three, three different throws that year. And then this year, the Open in Ohio, I was doing uh, left foot. And then now I'm actually stepping. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually had a question because I actually I, I went through a change here recently too just because I was trying to find more consistency what about butterfly like is comfortable for you is it just like do you like having a lot of the bag do you feel like it's easier to get more spin like I tried learning it it just felt really weird to me so so it all depends on what throw I'm actually doing what grip I have like uh, when I was doing left foot it wasn't butterfly it was just regular thumb on top grip um when i was doing the throw i did at uh, i have to name places because i've changed my throw so many times <laughs> people don't want it but uh at the shootout championship uh when i was doing right foot i was doing butterfly grip uh now when i'm stepping i don't do butterfly grip but my opinion on butterfly grip and regular is Butterfly is good for like a hard spinning bag, and I, everybody that throws that flop shot mostly does butterfly grip. Um, I know when I throw a flop shot, I change my grip to the butterfly just to do a flop, but I'm more consistent not doing the butterfly grip for some reason with my uh the way I grip it. Um, but I mean, I've done it all, I've done every type of grip probably that's possible in the game. It's cool to see that me and Corbin are very similar to you because I think me and Corbin both also use normal thumb on top and we switch yeah. to butterfly when we flop. So, because yeah. <laughs> I I just found that to your point, like consistency, I couldn't I couldn't throw like just for straight up the board shots. Butterfly just felt a little bit less natural to me than just throwing a normal like for just you know t- normal bags per se. Um, let me see what's next. Oh, sorry, a little bit about fire. So. First of all, like, how has it been with Fire and Jason the last couple of years? I mean, I know, like, obviously, you t- you say had great things to say about Jason, so um, it seems like it's been going well. Um, so do y'all know the backstory on that, on no. how that happened? Mm-mm. Um, so about five years ago, um, me and Jason's been friends for probably seven to eight. I'd say seven, 
seven years. Um, so like five or four years ago, he came up to me at a tournament, um, local tournament, and was like, I'm going to make bags. I want you and Ron Windsor to throw them. I'll give you X amount of money to throw them. And I was like, all right, do it. So at the time, that was – he wanted to do this five years ago, but he never had the – like what he has now. He has a place that makes them. He never had this opportunity to do all that. And uh, so the funny thing is now what he has, he, he could have had back then, but I, don't, I guess the conversation never came up with his buddy. But his buddy is the guy uh, – his name's Colic. We call him Colic. He works at the place that makes Jason's bags. And uh, so five years, five years ago, he wanted to do this. And then two years ago, uh, well, last season, his first year doing it, he, um, he told me the, uh, the idea. He was like, I got a place now, so let's do it. And uh, I was like, all right. So we were trying to figure out who we wanted, who I wanted to play with. And um, Ron Windsor was the first one because only because we didn't think Matt would ever not play with his son. And uh, so Ron ended up going with his own way with Windsor, with Reynolds. So I was like, Jason, it won't hurt to ask Matt. Just ask him. So he texts Matt, and Matt's response is, first one is, hell no. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, Matt actually told us that he brought it up to Brett, and Brett was like, how much money? And he was like, I don't know. He just asked me, and I said, hell no. So Brett told him to ask Jason for an amount. And so Jason met up with Matt and told him, him and Brett, the deal that uh, Matt plays with me for two years. Brett plays with Eric for two. And then Matt has the option to switch and play with Brett or whoever he wants to. So that happened. And then we had Brett and Eric. Uh, so we just had us four. And now this year we got Kaylee Megan as a pow uh, powerhouse uh, women's doubles women double team um but to, all together through from when i started with jason i was with all cornhole and it wasn't a hard switchover like I, it wasn't a big decision for me because i trust jason more than i trust a lot of people um he's never done me wrong i knew that if he was in it he was going to be in it for good and there was no he wasn't gonna basically fuck around and do dumb. I mean, he was he was gonna be fully focused on the fire cornhole and to grow it and to pay us. That was the main thing. Was he started this where you pay your players to throw your bags? Because before Jason, a lot of people wasn't getting paid big money to throw any bag. You just get paid like three to five thousand dollars for a year. And ever since Jason started paying and uh, putting other money, now every bag manufacturer is paying out their players, which is good for the sport. Yeah, was, that's awesome. That's a really cool story. I like that story a lot. And uh, I guess I know you said the switch wasn't hard because you trusted Jason and whatnot. Was it hard switching from the all slides to the assaults that you were throwing? Or like, is it hard to get used to a new bag when you've thrown that bag for so long? So the first bag we came up with was the starter. Yep. And it's got a perfect name because it's a starter bag. And so the crazy thing is I created that bag and – I wish I could go back that day and just burn that fabric because <laughs> I don't ever want to throw them bags ever again. But, uh, like, I mean, everybody would agree it wasn't a great bag at all, but um, it was his first bag. I mean, everybody, every bag manufacturer, the only reason people nowadays are coming to the game and make a good bag at first because there's so many things that go off of. Like Jason went off scratch. I mean, he, he tried to find his own fabric and we tried to put together a first bag and it was a starter, but, um, the assault, the control was pretty good for my style at the time was I was rolling a lot. So Matt was throwing the slick side. I was throwing the sticky and the assault is when people started changing their minds on fire cornhole with the bags because the assault is, I mean, a lot of people do like the assault for a sticky bag, but this year, there's no, there's no excuse this year. Last year we could, we could say like, yeah, we started off with a starter, so that's why we wasn't finishing as high. But then again, we had one of the worst bags in the game, and still we're throwing top notch to throw. That's why Jason tells everybody he's like, 
I got the worst bags, but I got the best players. So we just have to adjust, and that's what I had to do for half that season last year. Well, I mean, and look, I mean, this last weekend I saw Matt and Brett were like got invited like the David Ortiz celebrity golf thing and stuff. I mean, like, and they're wearing their fire jerseys. I mean, Jason obviously is really like he he put together a team that is good enough to get the exposure, and then now and then you guys doing your social media and them doing these events and whatnot. Like, it's just as a whole conglomerate, it seems like your whole group is really trying to do it the right way and like get exposure in the right direction. And and I know a lot of people. I mean, to your point with the starter, maybe even the control kind of like rode off fire bags but i think this year to your point doing the review there's no excuses this year these bags are amazing for 60 bucks i mean it's just it's it's crazy what they're putting out now um and then and then yeah and you brought this up but i was getting my last question should be you know kaylee joining fire as well is it really cool you both get to be on the same team kind of like throw the same bags and practice and stuff is that has that been a good experience oh yeah like uh last year she was with um ar roofing but uh the bag manufacturer she was throwing bg bags and uh so i this whole uh before she signed or whatever i've been telling her like hey fire cornhole is the way to go um you got the talent to make a living in this even though she's not she's going to uh what are you going what is it called radio radiography radiography major in radiography or something like that but a very good paying job but I knew that she had the talent, and I know Jason, the way he works with fire, he does everything possible to boost us, Like just like Matt and Brett going to meet David Ortiz and watching that, like just stuff like that. Like He really works hard on building the brand and building us as players. And not only that, like being professionals, like I can call him every day and he gives me good advice on what to do and what not to do in certain situations. So I trusted Jason and Kaylee's known Jason more longer than I have because Kaylee's dad is Jason's best friend. So they've known each they've uh Jason's known Kaylee since she was a little baby. So I mean it, it's all kind of like family. That's everything awesome. like all of us. That's really cool. Um a little bit on the partnership with Matt Guy. So I mean we talked a little bit how it came in fruition, but uh what do you think about you guys you know, makes you a great team. Like, do you feel like you both have a similar play style now with the, with these same bag? Like, do you feel mentally like you both just like trust each other now? Like, what do you think? What do you think? How do you think that combo works? Um, the start of the year last year, uh, first national together. Um, I kind of like for the first couple of times we played together, <laughs> I was more nervous than ever only because I knew how good Matt was. I didn't want to disappoint uh, about throwing bad, even though I knew my game is just right there with his. It was just the, the thought of playing with one of the greatest of all time. But I kind of settled in after the first two nationals, um, and we won the third and fourth and kind of got all that out of my head of worrying about Matt's being one of the best. Like, I'm telling myself, like, I'm one of the best, too. Like, I can score just like he can. And Matt playing with him, uh, I like Matt. The only difference is him and my last couple partners were Frank was quiet, but he wasn't as quiet as Matt. Matt literally just looks down and doesn't say nothing. And I mean, that's, that's the way he plays. But when I used to play with Trevor Brooks, it was more of a brotherhood bonding and that chemistry on the boards on and off. Uh, that's what I've always looked for as a, partner on the other side because it's I don't know like when you talk each other up through a match uh, I feel like you can win more games even if you're not on your A game just from the chemistry there but I mean I, I mean I love playing with May he's one of the greatest of all time so I mean I can't complain about that yeah, no, and I, I can agree with that on the partner thing. I mean, I mean, first of all, for anyone listening, I think the first step to finding a good partner is make sure somebody likes the same bags that you like. Because if you if you're not confident with the same bag, it's really hard to throw well. And then yeah. two, I mean, I I do I'm kind of like how you are. Like me, and my partner, like you know, like like if he has a bad hand on the hole, I'm the first person to be like, dude, shoot it, let's go. Like get the confidence going, hit a good sh- like he hits a good shot, and then that momentum starts rolling. You know, it's not. Like we both know we're good enough, but at the same time, it's nice to have somebody else be like, let's go. Like you hit the shot, like, come on, that kind of stuff. So I, I can get in that. But at the same time, I mean, you both just are so good at 
at this point. It's just you, you just look at him and you're like, I just know he's going to make every bag, so I don't have yeah. to pump him up. You know, <laughs> he's just going to make them all. Um, and then, uh, and then Corbin, you want to go over practice a little bit because I know you're a practice with the purpose kind of guy. So, yeah, I'm totally practice with purpose. Um, I mean, you got into it a little bit, Jamie, saying, you know, you might throw an hour tomorrow or whatever it may be. Um, so do you practice at home or are you mostly trying to hit blind draws, tournaments, stuff like that with like live competition? Um, so down here we have, uh, Monday blind draw and Friday is at the AAR roofing. Um, they have a big building for two days a week. We play there. Um, so now that it's cold outside, we don't practice outside like that. So we go there, uh, I just came from there right before the I got on the podcast. We go there like every night now, um, and just throw for an hour or two, okay. just to get just to keep the reps and uh, muscle memory down. Okay. So then, when you and Kaylee are going there practicing, like, what is your actual practice routine? Are you trying like block airmail, airmail push? Or are you trying you know slide them all in, airmail them all? What are you kind of doing to get going? Um. So here lately, we just playing against each other normal game okay. uh just to kind of keep it more um what's the word uh competitive and yeah. trying to more realistic yeah and i mean after the set after we get done playing several games we'll uh tonight we set up different shots uh push shots pushing two bags three bags mm-hmm. uh and one shots like just little things like that um but Mostly it's just one-on-one the whole time and okay. playing game at the game. Yep. That's awesome. Uh, and then if you could give advice to some up and coming players, like what's the one piece of advice that you give somebody to help them, you know, maybe get to the next level or get over a little bump that they're hitting. Um, one thing is never give up. Uh, that was a big thing for me uh, starting up and, not ever giving up in a match, no matter what the score is. Mm-hmm. Um, staying focused throughout the whole match. Don't um, – one little – you start thinking about something while you're playing. I mean, your game could go from making everything to missing every shot, just like that. Um, and definitely what I tell everybody is practice, practice, practice. That's mm-hmm. That's like the main thing to – I think that's what the difference is in – some of these top players that like that aren't finishing there every time, or at least most of the time is I think people's out practicing the other people. And even though, for example, you got a top 30 player that can be anybody on any given, our top 50 player that can be any pro any given day, but he's not finishing that top five. Uh, I mean, you got a top five player, and you got a top 50 player, that top five player is probably practicing more than that top 50 player just because he's finishing in the in the tournaments higher more consistently. And that's where practice comes from, just consistency and muscle memory and all that. Yep. I actually had a, a question we didn't ask earlier, but like let's say you're playing a game and you miss a bag a little bit to the left or something and and they bully it a little bit out of the way. It's like a really difficult like collect, but it's like out there a little bit. Do you personally just like, give up on it quickly and just give up the two points? Or are you out there like always trying to make sure you're trying to collect or trying to get it? I mean, obviously it's situational, but I mean, like, do you go for the risky shots to try to collect or are you just kind of just like, all right, let's just make these next three. So there's like three, di- three different answers. Uh, one, it depends on how much alcohol I've drank. <laughs> two, depends on what score, what, what, what score of the match is. And well, that's basically two answers. But I mean, I know Trey Rodder would say I'm a conservative player, which I think I am more conservative than aggressive. But if I'm feeling it, if that shots, if I think it's, if I think it's possible, most of the time I will go for it. Um, now, if it's 1919 or something, and I don't, or 1818, I don't have to have it, then I probably won't because it it's a big reward, but it's also a big risk if you miss left and you could lose the game. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I call my, my game a conservative slash aggressive. Like it depends. I'm aggressive. Sometimes, sometimes I'm very smart. 
Um, and then I guess just going into this year. So obviously we've had the the one big open or the couple, but the one you just played in. And then what is the rest of the season looking like? And when do the kind of like the ACL pro, I, are they doing the shootouts against our next year or starting with that bag brawl? They kind of try to do the same schedule they did this year. Oh yeah. Uh, I think there's more opens this year. Um, I know the, I know I'll be going to like five or four bat to bat to bat. I know uh, Virginia Beach is December 5th. I'll be going to that one. And I know, I don't know the dates, but I know you got Asheville, North Carolina, Florida, Kentucky. I know I'm going to them all bat to bat to bat. So, and then you got your first national of the year in February. Um, I don't know if they, I don't think they know a Pacific place yet. They were talking about, LA, but I'm not sure if it's going to be in LA or not. Um, but uh, hopefully this season will turn out good. I mean, we, ha- we like I said earlier, we there's no excuses anymore about bags. We got to put bags in the hole. And I, I honestly do believe the way Matt's shooting and the way <laughs> yeah. I'm shooting, we shouldn't, we should not lose. Uh, we shouldn't lose twice. I don't think the way we're both shooting. But I mean, mm-hmm. it's possible with how good everybody's throwing though. I saw in uh, at the throwdown uh, last year. There was like a quick video that Matt was on where someone asked him something. His they and his, they asked Matt for some advice, and Matt said, "If you make every bag in the hole, you can't lose." Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of been his uh, mantra this year so far. Is like I'm just not gonna miss. So <laughs> it's easy uh, that way. He's playing awesome right now. Uh, I don't even know if it's just the bags or I don't know. He seems I to be on a mission just, this year. He's just like, I'm just yeah. not going to lose anything. <laughs> yeah, because, like, if you look at it, last year he didn't win a singles – he didn't win no big singles tournament last year, no national, no shootout. Like, uh, so I know I know this year he's definitely on a roll to – he's going to try to win everything this year, but <laughs> the way he's playing, he's got a good chance. Yeah. Well – um, I mean, I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. This has been super fun. I mean, you've like, like uh, you seem very, like you're very well-spoken in terms of we ask a question, you just like run with it in stories. So you really made this easy. Uh, it was super cool to get some insight on all the stuff that you've done and, and, and some stuff coming up this year. Uh, I'm really glad that fire has been so supportive for you. I mean, that's so awesome that, that you have this relationship that really helps you kind of grow in the sport and outside the sport. And, and hopefully with your TikTok and everything else, it just keeps ballooning up where, <laughs> people start to see your personality more than just the player on the TV. So, you know, I wish you luck with all the rest of the opens this year and then going into the nationals as well, all the shootouts and stuff. I'm sure you guys are going to kill it, but let's get back to 2020 Jamie Graham. Now that you got this incinerator, eh? (laughs) But, uh, but I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. It was a lot of fun and uh, everybody listening, you know, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, We'll be back here soon with the next episode of the podcast, but I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and uh, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Thanks guys. Sure, y'all have a new one.